BFM is here, and and, and Kenneth Shepard, we're done. We're done with Dragon Age Origins. We're finished. No, we're not. We're, we're. Ken, what what is this on the docket? What, what? Why does it say Dragon Age Origins Awakening? Because the worst game of the series is the one that got an expansion pack. Why would they do this to us, Ken? Why would they do this ten years in the past to us, specifically? Make us play more of this game. Those fucking dudes that are gonna make a podcast about our games where they just... They do nothing but shit-talk it for episode upon episode upon episode. We need to do this for them. It's okay, because I, Eric Van Allen, co-host of Normandy FM, alongside my co-host, Kenneth Shepard, surely believe that... An expansion, a significant-sized expansion to the story of Dragon Age Origins could not possibly repeat, nay, build upon the mistakes of its predecessor. Right? That certainly mm. wouldn't happen. Mm. That certainly wouldn't establish character choices that later get washed away in massive retcons that remind mm. you that maybe Ken was right this whole time about how nothing in Dragon Age Origins actually happens of consequence. You should listen to me. <laughs> Ken, um, mm. so I, I know I've brought this up in the podcast before, but uh, mm-hmm. I did many, many eons ago. So I don't know if I ever talked specifically about my experience of playing Dragon Age Origins. Mm. Uh, I got into Bioware through Mass Effect. It mm. is, it, Mass Effect 1, I know we've talked about this. I love Mass Effect 1. Uh, and then Mass Effect 2 came around. I loved it. I loved it so much that I was like, okay, you know what? If I've loved two games by a single studio this much, I should start playing the other things that they do. That was mm-hmm. when I heard about Dragon Sensible. Age. Uh, so I went out and I got the Dragon Age Origins Ultimate Edition. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. this is so much Dragon Age content from the studio that I know and love. Surely, surely I will consume this hey, you know what it's, uh, I, I i go back it's hard to like look back in retrospect on a game that really left you without any majorly good or bad impressions and then try mm-hmm. to like suss out what your feelings really were on it the first time around so that's mm-hmm. kind of where i've always been with origins my first time playing and and you know we just had the finale of dragon age origins so you kind of got my feelings about how i feel about it now um but i will tell you that even though I owned the Ultimate Edition, uh, back in those days when I was sitting in my, uh, I believe it was sophomore, no, it might have been freshman year of college, uh, in my dorm room with my 360 and my tiny, tiny, uh, I believe it was a 20-inch TV. It was very tiny. It fit on top of my fridge. I remember that because that was where uh, both my roommate and I had tiny little dorm room-sized TVs, and we each... Uh, put them atop our our fridges because for some reason our families both decided to get fridges and tvs thinking that our roommates families would not do the same (laughs) so started off on a great foot there turned out great in the end uh worked out all right in the end but uh after i finished dragon age origins i just went 
okay, that's enough. I don't want more of this game. I don't really want to see. I think I tried mm-hmm. playing the Darkspawn Chronicles. And I was like, the fuck mm-hmm. is going on here? I didn't really like comprehend at the time that it was supposed to be a what if scenario. I was just like, right. wait, what are they doing? So I just kind of dumped it. Uh, I'd never mm-hmm. played Awakening. I never played any of the DLCs that that came packed in with the game. And then I went just straight on to Dragon Age 2. Uh, and we can talk about my feelings about how I felt Dragon Age 2 the first time around uh, once we actually start that game. But this is all for me to say. I'm coming into Awakening with very little context of what it's supposed to be, other than that it's supposed to sort of act as a bridge between what Origins and 2 is. And specifically, almost like an epilogue to Origins. Especially if your Warden is still alive. This is obviously a much stranger game if your warden made the ultimate sacrifice in Dragon Age Origins, because then you just play some random warden. And that kind of leads into this first point that I wanted to say, is that this just feels like a side D&D campaign that they just include. Like, it feels like a fan mod, almost. Like, Mm. a really, really well-produced fan mod. But the amount of attachment it has to Dragon Age is like... I don't want to say comical, but it just seems to be like I recently replayed Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, and I used the mod that restores a lot of the content in that game and in some cases they had enough content to rebuild a quest but did not have all the pieces like writing or quest steps necessary, and so fans had to kind of author that themselves and some of it turns Mm. out fine and some of it you can be like yep that was definitely made by a fan and that's kind of what this feels like it feels like this hodgepodge campaign that was kind of brought together uh to build onto more of dragon age and maybe this was like the first inkling in their mind of hey maybe we should do more with this than just dragon age origins maybe we should have Mm. more in this universe uh and so Mm. can Let's let's start with how weird it is to get into Dragon Age Awakening, because okay. uh, I don't know how it works for you, but for me on the PC, I basically had to say like, okay, I'm going to go to a new campaign, and I'm going to start it under like the it's like other campaigns, and I select Dragon Age Awakening, and it's like import your character, and luckily because it's on pc it just like it's grabbing from the same folder so it's just like hey here's your character import it or whatever but there's very little it it didn't give me that like same level of indication that mass effect did like it, it doesn't run down the thing i always liked about mass effect 3 specifically is that it was like hey here's like a quick short sheet of all the the big changes you or big choices you made throughout the mass effect series so you're just mm-hmm. sure this is the one you want you know it's like 12 of 12 squad mates survived the suicide run uh you know this is what you did with the collector base this is whether the council lived or died at the end of mass effect one i like that i didn't get much of that i I took a screenshot of what i saw of what it showed me Mm. and i feel like if i had gone into advanced options i might have found more but already i was like a little unsettled of how this game was going to treat importing my save and having any level of continuity from the base game to awakening Mm. so i know what your experience was like so for me i have awakening on disc i don't have it like downloaded onto my system and like as dlc for origins so like i have it just you know just to put it in and then it has the like the, the same menu as 
uh, Origins does, but it has Awakening like underneath the title screen. What was weird to me was I went to like you know new campaign, and then I, it for some reason had the option to pick Origins. So I don't know if like that game is also on the same disc, and I could have like saved some money by just buying one. But uh, so I went to Awakening, and then it had import save, and I picked the one that I did. And the one thing that like uh, caught me, like the, the fir- and I was glad that I caught it before I started because it would have been a way more frustrating otherwise it seemed to have imported a save from like midway through the base game because my character's only at level 12 and oh weird was like you know maybe like 15 hours in or something like that and so i was like well that's definitely not right because i knew i was like closer to you know the level cap in the main game which is 20 uh by the end so i had to like go in and manually like find the specific save that was after like beating the archdemon mm-hmm. um and then you know, you get it. So one of the first, and I guess this is getting into the actual game itself. So they weirdly they take all the equipment that you had at the end of the game, um, except for what your warden had specifically equipped at the end of the game. So I hope you had your your best stuff equipped because Seriously. you are not gonna you're not gonna be able to have it again later. And I guess they do that so you can't just immediately like equip all the characters that you meet in this game with, like, the best stuff from the base game. But still, I was just like, okay, I guess I'm, you know, I'm going to assume that they picked my warden out of a crowd and was like, hey, you got to come with me right now, and no, there's no time to talk to anybody or take any of your other stuff, so let's go. Yeah, I had the same thing where it spawned me in, and I was wearing the armor that I was definitely wearing at, at the end of the game. It was that elven yep. armor that I had gotten in the... Uh, in the Dalish forest quest uh, that I'd like spent a lot of time putting points into my character to use. So I was like, okay, cool. At least we're there. Um, but I also found that my weapons were unequipped for some reason. And it dropped yep. two new weapons into my hands instead. Uh, but they were like in my inventory, my old weapons were. And so I was like, okay, this is strange. I don't know if I like this. Uh, and the new weapons were like good, but I don't know. And I also had like unspent skill points. Like I went in and I had yeah. an unspent specialty point. So I could have specialized yeah. in another class if I wanted. Um, and I also had just like random skill points that I could have put in like an extra four points that I could have put into whatever I wanted. So it was like, it was cool. And I like got to level up parts of my character that I hadn't really gotten to yet. And I know that part of awakening is that it adds additional abilities, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Specializations. That was the first thing I wanted to bring up was, and, and I know we're like kind of dragging on getting to the actual story content. Don't worry. There's like not a ton of it. So it's not like we'll spend a lot of time talking about it, but <laughs> uh, it was funny playing now because I, I've mentioned it a few times when we were playing origins, but like the way rogue played in origins just felt different to me because uh, I talked about it before, but like the way I played through dragon age originally, I went warrior in the first game rogue in dragon age 2 and mage in dragon age inquisition and the way i I remember enjoying playing rogue hawk in dragon age 2 a lot like i really like the way that character handled and dragon age origins rogue felt nothing like it and it took it was taking me forever to figure out why that was other than just the way that combat and origins played out and i finally got to it and it, it, it was seeing all those abilities in awakening and i was looking at the list and i was like 
these are the things you get like almost right out of the gate in dragon age 2 like mm. the move that lets you um i think it's called flicker which is where you like basically teleport behind an enemy and backstab them and then other abilities that just let you like be way more mobile and also move around a lot faster and yeah. also uh make it easier to proc uh strikes to the back and things like that mm. uh all of that was suddenly there and i was like oh my god this is i've been looking for this because the the rogue i basically ended up building was essentially a two-handed warrior <laughs> like mm. uh a dual wielding warrior because they just kind of stood there and would fight the enemy and they just dodge a lot instead of tanking a lot but i was basically just playing a warrior again and now suddenly i see this and i'm like this is where that rogue play style that i like so much where you're kind of blinking around you're a little bit squishy but you can do a lot of like cool tricks and and ways to like fake out the enemy and and stuff i was like this is where it was i was looking for this so that was neat if too little too late but also i didn't have enough I think I'm at level 18 or something like that. And you need to be level 20 to start unlocking all of those. Yeah. And you also, mm-hmm. it gates some of them, I think by stats. Uh, I know the highest right. level one needed like over 50 cunning or something like that. So I was like, cool. I'm, I'm kind of close to that, but I've been putting some points in other places because mm. I was like kind of playing a frontline character. So I was trying to put some points into constitution and strength. So I didn't just get owned all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, neat. Uh, they finally figured out how to make the game right before they made the game that got all this right. Neat. Um, right. But also yeah i just mm, there's something i was just kind of continuously reminded about as i was playing through the section was i was so excited to see what new loot i was going to be getting and what kind of cool drops they'd be putting in the post game and all that because like that's that's like the draw of coming back to a game after a while right is oh all these old named weapons that were so cool i'm just going to throw them on the ground because i'm going to get these sick new weapons and the first thing it gives me is this like shit sword that's just called like the warden's companion and it's like it's just got a lame name and it's got like no cool effects on it but it does do more damage than the ones i'm holding and it's it's kind of like that feeling i get when i play destiny 2 i when i go from the base game to like the first expansion and all of a sudden you're getting these guns that are have just basic ass names and they're the most basic ass guns but they do more damage because that's what you want to be doing. And then the game is basically telling you, hey, you know, those guns, those old cool guns that have all these cool effects and modifiers and look really sleek and stuff, those are shit now. Pick up this super soaker and go shoot things until you get the new cool guns that we're going to give you. And there's something about that gap that I've never liked. I've always wanted, if I get something that has a name, I want it to carry with me in some way and destiny Mm. i will be fair here destiny has done a good job of that recently uh in that you can i believe you can like level up your old guns to get to whatever the new base mark is so sorry destiny Mm. fans if i'm dumping on your game right now but (laughs) the reason i bring this up is because i have these like sick weapons that i still have and the sick armor i still have from the end of dragon age and it's basically giving me like shit drops that are like numerically better mm. but i don't want yeah. to switch them out because i'm like these right. these are lame i want to be like the hero of Ferelden, and instead i'm like using stuff that ricky the recruit gets to use you know <laughs> it's like yeah. so my sort of feelings on like the addition of like new specializations is 
by this point, I'm kind of set on how I like yes. to play the game, and I don't really like. Sure, there are all these cool new toys, but like I'm kind of I'm good without them. I don't really need to go out of my way to one dump all the points into them all, like everything, and then also like fundamentally change the way that I play because like the the specialization I tend to gravitate towards in the time that I played Awakening is the Battle Mage, which is bordering on like tanking for mages, not like you know as effective as like a warrior, but it is like around like preservation of your character and sort of you know damage dealing in that way. But I don't know, I'm content with a lot of the elementals I have, and you know switching to blood magic when I need to control something that's like of a larger tier to take out things that are you know. Smaller tier, like take like controlling an ogre, uh, at the, like in this first section to take out some of the smaller dark spawn. So I don't really need to like add like complicate things. I'm kind of good where I'm at. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's so weird to be given a host of new things to do, and then in the face of all those options, just look at them and be like, actually, I just want to kind of keep doing what I've been doing. Uh, yeah. And and I feel that maybe speaks yeah. to the way that this stuff has been meted out because uh, I, I again I've not played any of the DLC for Dragon Age 2 either the only DLC for Dragon Age I have played is Trespasser but I don't remember Trespasser adding too much new stuff in this regard right. like it definitely stopped me if I'm wrong but I definitely don't remember it adding like a full new skill tree <laughs> or like uh, line mean, of skills it wasn't things that you had to like level up to get but you like gradually gaining abilities in Trespasser that it was, or I guess like plot relevant. With, it was stuff with the anchor, right? Yeah, the right. With the anchor, yeah. Right. Like there's that. and that's because like that 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 is the plot of that DLC that the anchor is acting in ways it didn't before. So right, and and that all like that makes sense for me is like a way for them to be like, hey, here's new things to do, but we're not going to try to intentionally change the way. And and I think the one switch that Awakening does, and I was looking this up later, was that it gives you unlimited manuals or whatever that let you respec your character uh so you can feasibly just you know it also just throws experience and money at you like i probably leveled up more in playing this opening mission of awakening than i ever did in any other mission in dragon age like Mm -hmm. i think i leveled up twice and that seemed bizarre to me because i was used to leveling up maybe once an episode or whatever you want to call it that we've done previously instead i was like oh i've already leveled up a few times and i'm like swimming in gold that's neat um but anyways we should jump into what the actual story is because why are we here they kind of just like throw you in it like i booted it up and it it gives you that little reminder of like oh right you know after the disgrace of arl rend and how uh they send the king who in both our cases is alistair uh declares the former lands of the howe family to be under the control of the gray wardens gifts it to the gray wardens and the the orlesian wardens are supposed to be heading there to meet up with what remains of the ferelden wardens which in our case is literally just us uh and so i was a little peeved that this my character had to be like default warden commander and there wasn't some sort of justification for why my character was coming back because i mentioned it during the finale but i made my intentions very clear that i wanted to go find morgan mm-hmm. and that was going to be like in my head like that's what my character was going to go do and so i was hoping that they would come up with some reason for my character to be going to amaranthine which is the the location that this new place is um 
I was hoping they would have a little bit more reason to do that. And instead, they're just kind of like, yeah, well, it's go do this. <laughs> and Stop asking questions. Yeah, and they like show up and it's just so jerky because the the cutscene opens and you're walking up with this character you've never seen before and you get into a fight with uh some dark spawn you're like oh things are going bad and then the character is all of a sudden like oh by the way i guess i should introduce myself and i was like it just told me how long i spent traveling here and all of a sudden you're like oh now we should probably introduce this character who has probably been traveling with the warden for several days and like were they just in dead sitting? silence yeah <laughs> it's like it, i don't know it's a big this is a ken mood i understand that much i could see i could see you doing this <laughs> just sitting there for days and you're like oh hi by the way i guess since we're going to be killing some dark spawn now i should know what name to shout when i need you to do something <laughs> um yeah so immediately we're back into it because of course we arrive at vigil's keep which is the I mean, we arrive on the outskirts of Amaranthine, and then we were heading up to Vigil's Keep, which is the new, like, keep of the Wardens and all that. And, uh, of course, there's, like, Darkspawn freaking everywhere. Uh, and we've got this character with us, uh, Myri? Mari? I, I don't know. She's not going to be around for long. I was like, <laughs> do we need to really learn how to pronounce her name? Look, I've got thoughts. We're going to get to them, Ken. Don't worry. <laughs> I've got thoughts. Um... A, a knight who is here to do the joining very idealistic bright-eyed surely nothing bad will happen to her uh and we keep fighting all these dark spawn but as we go in you know bioware is building up that tension of like how did the wardens get surprised and ambushed by the dark spawn where are all the wardens right now why are there only a few survivors around you know how didn't how did they not sense them because they should be able to sense them because of the gray warden powers and there's also like talk of the dark spawn being more organized but the blight's already over so how's that happening and it's i i I don't know it it feels i mentioned it before that contrived yes that's great um that it feels like this was just kind of put together to do more in this universe and by the time we get to the end of this i don't I don't hate the idea of what this story is trying to do, but I just feel like this intro section is like tripping over itself and stepping on rakes, trying to elicit some reason for why your warden is here and why these things are happening. And I don't, I understand that part of it is because your character can die at the end of Origins, mm-hmm. and so you might not have a character to play Awakening with, and then you're going into it playing as just this random, uh, I assume, custom made or Legion mm-hmm. warden. Uh, who is this different character and and that there are also like many different things that could have happened during dragon age origins that would have changed some of the outcomes here some of the characters we might see popping up but all of that kind of gets wiped away in this first episode and we're kind of left to a very bespoke discreet uh cordoned off story that we are playing through like like it is basically a D campaign like you went to your local D meetup and somebody pulled out one of those books and put up the sheet i've never played dungeons and dragons but i've seen it in tvs <laughs> and movies so i've got like some some level of knowledge of what's going on here and they're just like this is the campaign we're playing tonight that's what this feels like and i understand for some that can be like a big draw that can be something that they want mm-hmm. out of this sort of game but as we've talked about so many times with a bioware game and the idea that this is especially this by the time we get to the end of it is going to feel like we're 
I, I will admit I've like played further than what we've played tonight, uh, where we're supposed to play for this episode. Um, feels like it's supposed to be building this up into a larger world that is going to have some level of carryover to a next game and not be this just one-off with Origins. It feels just very disjointed in a way that ends up not feeling better by the end of it either. Um, so we just we go through the castle we keep fighting darkspawn um there's really not much interesting happening there all the darkspawn are darkspawn we fought before um it was cool because mari has the the champion specialty and all that so you get to see like some of this stuff that i didn't really get to see much of in the campaign or anything like that um because i never controlled a warrior ever so mm. i actually like flipped over to mari and was like hey i'm gonna play as her for a little bit and just see what that's like and i was like cool she's got some cool you know stuff going on it was a cool way to see some of what they were doing here and how it was going to eventually be carrying forward to later games the same with my rogue um and then mm. we meet the first character that has some level of consequence and it is anders it is cosmetically you sure, you sure he's gonna i would say you, you sure he's gonna have any consequence do you think we're ever gonna see this dude again do you think it really matters cosmetically this is anders but Ken, this is the first thing I really wanted to bring up and, and like pick apart with you. Um, who the fuck is this dude? Because I remember Anders being a very different character in Dragon Age Two, mm. and here he's like this almost—I don't want to say Deadpool, but he is very like making jokes all the time. And he's super... the Alistair equivalent. Yeah, like... he's—he totally reminds me of Alistair. And and I remember Anders being this character who was always. Um, either hardcore flirting with me, which I think does ha- no, no, he's like super not doing that because the first thing that happens when I talk to him as a male warden is that he starts hitting on Mari, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you're the you're the recruit with the the nice chest or whatever," and I was like, "Anders, <laughs> that that was Ogren." Yeah, like, I was like, I don't remember Anders being like that. If anything, like, my memories of Anders are him hitting super hard on my super male hawk, but mm. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll address that in Dragon Age 2. Um, yeah, put, put a pen in that, because I got um there feelings. there will be There will be so much discussion of that, Ken, you have mm. no clue. <laughs> but mm-hmm. how everyone in that game is horny for hawk to dangerous levels. <laughs> um, but... Uh, here I was just like who the fuck is this character I mean I understand yeah. there are things that are going to happen in the, specifically in this expansion if you don't make a certain choice uh, that will change who this character is but mm. it just like night and day man it's bizarre it playing this after right. playing Dragon Age 2 or to say, and like if you do it kind of like the reverse way where like you play Awakening first and you, you play Dragon Age 2 like it, you have that sort of same jarring reaction but like in general i buy the change but it is a very jarring i think i think dragon age 2 to awakening like playing in in that order is when it would be a weirder thing where i think i like again like i buy the transformation that that character goes through okay as as long as like that that was my big question was like how natural does that transformation feel if it does i mean it is it is by like definition of how it is unnatural but like the circumstances that result in anders being who he is in dragon age 2 it all kind of works for me okay 
but already i'm just gonna like say right out the gate i don't like anders character right now i did i'm not like the the biggest anders fan in general but somehow this is making like his immediate introduction of him being like hey hot stuff you know these templars over here if they were templars they totally got torched it was weird you know whatever and like i was just like who i somehow dislike anders more now <laughs> like, <laughs> um and boy won't that get weirder because we also run into one lovely ogren who is also in this castle um fighting darkspawn for ken like literally no reason like incredibly it is, yeah this is this is the point where i was like what game am i playing <laughs> like, right because so like <laughs> you you go right. first i want to hear your well, say, like for context for everybody argon is here to become a warden like he the yeah that thing that ogren talked about all the time in dragon age Origins. yeah you couldn't <laughs> stop him from talking about how much he wanted to be a gray warden <laughs> i it is one of the most like bizarre decisions they made. Like, cause okay, think of all the characters they could have theoretically brought back for this, and I think maybe oh, Ogren is the one that favorite. <laughs> I like. I think the Ogren works in the way that like he didn't really have anything going on otherwise. So like, there's not. It's not like you have to like really contrive a reason that he could not do the thing that he said he was gonna do. But now you have to contrive a reason for why he would give a shit about any of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that they stick that landing whatsoever because they're just like oh i'm here to kill the dark spawn and i'm like okay what? that makes sense he has the same, but you can he's the same laugh line when he shows up he's like oh it's it's the gray warden recruit with the nice rack and i'm like oh my god do we really use the same laugh line twice like haha woman warden has boobs like good job we use the same mm. line twice <laughs> i don't know i mean it's can have you ever... again who would who else would they have done i don't know like i don't maybe you didn't need to bring anyone back I, like i, I know just... there's another character that that shows back up through a side quest in this again i was like trying to to read a little bit about this because we were like mapping out how we wanted to do the next few weeks for this show and so i've already kind of spoiled myself on some cameos and things like that so I know that there's another character from Origins that shows back up through a cameo in a quest. And I was like, oh, that would be the character that I would think they would bring back. Like, that seems like a very easy character to bring back. Or maybe you bring back Leliana or someone like that. You know, there are reasons for why Morgan or Alistair or, God forbid, Logan, Logan. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, there are reasons for why they wouldn't return. And, and even um, Sten, Shale uh your freaking dog there are reasons for why they wouldn't pop up and so that kind of just leaves these two characters win and ogren as, as characters that by and large you'd have to go out of your way to not have in your party right like because i there is a way for you to not have ogren here but it involves getting like completely terrible disapproval with him and then fighting with him at some point and even then like the game kind of makes a joke of it and he still shows up anyways which is going to be a running thing for dragon mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you love to see it it's my my issue with this character and and so for those of you out there listeners at home you've got to bear with me for a little bit because 
yes, there are things I have not seen in this DLC yet. I understand. I, I am aware of the existence of companion quests in this expansion that will shed light on these characters and their involvement in the conflict and why, say, this character specifically might suddenly want to be a Grey Warden and suddenly want to do something and suddenly be here. All that said, the way they introduce this character is it's it if you've seen you know sitcoms where they're like oh it's kramer he's here oh everybody loves kramer and it's like ogren doesn't have that pull for me if anything my mm. issues with at the end of dragon age origins were like this character got so little screen time basically ended up being my um as I sometimes like to refer to it, uh, if you watch the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, uh, Alfred the Butler is often the exposition character. So it's halfway through the movie, uh, Bruce Wayne has a conversation with Alfred that tells you what the themes of the movie are. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's been a joke with my friends for a while. I was like, oh my god, these themes are so complicated. Somebody find the butler. <laughs> like, um, so... Ogren was like that for the the paragon of her kind where you're like uh oh i need to understand what the themes of this mission are Ogren, please come in and explain them to me and he doesn't really have much going on for him other than that so he doesn't make a good candidate for a character that could get a little bit more explanation of who he is and what he does but they just immediately rip off with him making a joke about uh, you know, being horny and then being like, oh, I'm here to kill Darkspawn, so I just followed all the screams and found you. I want to be a Grey Warden now, what do you think? And then later on, they make, like, a burp joke with him where he's like, yeah. That, I... mm, my god. And the thing that bugs me, I think, and I got this right off the bat, was that if you've ever been in a group of people and there are two two people who are trying to be the guy you know they're trying to be the center of attention they're trying to be the funny one of the group and then somebody else is also trying to do the same thing and they just end up trying to one-up each other the whole night if you've ever been in that exact social situation that is what bioware has replicated in dragon age awakening (laughs) is that specific situation of anders and Ogren are trying to out one-liner, like, out-zinger each other, and they just keep going back and forth, and meanwhile, I'm just I'm just standing there like, please shut up. Mm. <laughs> please stop. Well, it's good that we've got one one of our companions here who's kind of a straight man for everything. It's gonna be the one that grounds everybody and rounds out yeah, the thank group, God. you, you know, know? We've got one rock-solid base that will surely stand by our side for ages to come. God, Ken, it was killing me because I was like, oh, cool, new character. I'm really excited to learn who this character is and what sort of ramifications they might have. Is there a possible romance option with this character that could throw some conflict into the relationship that my warden has built with Morgan that might be interesting to explore for the podcast? <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> oh, we're going to get there. Don't worry. We're going to get there, and I'm going to say my, my thing, and we're going to be done with that. <laughs> Um, we also come across Roland, who was a fellow knight of Mari's, uh, who is totally in a bad way. Uh, this, we don't get to see the wound, but they, they basically, God, what is it that Ogren's? And he's like, 
Well, it doesn't look like healing magic could save him. Oh, well, maybe we'd give him some whiskey for the pain. And then Andrew's like, I like the way you're thinking. And I'm like, shut up, both of you. Holy shit. There's like a dude mm. dying right here. And our companion's like really teared up over it. And you two are trying to be like buddy cops over here. I'm just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, but this is where we learn that not only are the Darkspawn super organized and things are just going to absolute shit. But there is a darkspawn who talks, and that's the the dun 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 moment of a darkspawn that talks. Uh, even though, no, I suppose we haven't had a dark for for a second. I was gonna say, haven't we had one that talks already? But no, no. for some reason, I thought that the arch demon had a line of dialogue at some point. But no, it just kind of roars at you, uh, yeah, like dragons do. Um. And eventually we get up to the top of Vigil's Keep and we we fight said talking Darkspawn, uh, who is holding a pal of ours hostage, by the way. And uh, we we just, we straight up stab it to death. Uh, so mm. as I like, as you note in your notes, uh, we kill it, which means there are probably more talking Darkspawn elsewhere. Yep. <laughs> because they're like, why, why bring up that thing? <laughs> like, if you're just going to kill one of them and it'd be done. Yeah. Um and so we've got we've got kind of the setup of of what we've got going on here, right? So we've got the Vigil's Keep, Amaranthine overrun by Darkspawn, uh who seem organized. Uh in the prologue we got this kind of preamble that was like, oh hey, you know, in the void of the blights, uh factions within the Darkspawn rose up and began throwing raids on the countryside. So we've kind of already got that little nugget of information planted in our mind. Uh and we know that they're talking Darkspawn, which indicates that the nature of the Darkspawn might be changing, that uh who these these creatures are and what their goals are might be different now that they are no longer under the control of an archdemon um and obviously that seems like something that the gray wardens should investigate as well as you know like what happened to all the orlesian wardens because while we did end up saving some survivors and some soldiers uh we don't know where the gray wardens went uh and the indication is given that they have not we're not finding a lot of bodies basically we're just Mm -hmm. finding the absence of gray wardens um, we already have some idea of how the darkspawn are created from the base game and, and the things that happen in the orzammar quest so already we've got this kind of like seeds of ideas planted in the back of our mind mm-hmm. and in that respect i feel like this has been good so far if it was literally just played a lot more straight and just given to you like maybe not even introduce too many characters up to this point (laughs) like just go hey this is you are fighting through this area and you've got to kill all these darkspawn and now you've got to start thinking we get to this point where oh right we're going to need to rebuild the numbers of the gray wardens so that's something we need to focus on before we go looking for the Orlesian wardens it would feel like it had a much more natural pace to it than this sort of stumbling across old pals that happens here Mm. um but that's that's really nitpicky that's just me i don't think that's like a huge issue um but as our is it seneschal seneschal the varel the basically caretaker Mm. of vigil's keep and amaranthine 
uh, tells us there are some soldiers approaching on the road, and hey, it's Alistair. Alistair showed up. He came over to to say hi. What's up? <laughs> Again, I'm not a hundred percent sure why this specific meeting is happening, other than I felt like Bauer wanted to have a cameo for whoever your king or queen was mm. at the end of Dragon <laughs> Age Origins. Isn't it weird that, like, there's a scenario where Alistair is still a warden and, like, not the king? Isn't it weird that he just, like, doesn't hang out? He doesn't He's not exist on in this game? quest, yeah. Yeah, that he's just not hanging out with us? And I didn't know that that could happen, actually. I would have assumed that Alistair would be in the party if that was the case, but... Nope. Huh. That's that's an interesting... The, here's the other thing, and, and Ken, stop me if, if this gets addressed at some point... But I know we've talked a few times about how Grey Wardens have, like, a shorter lifespan and, and have mm-hmm. issues aging as they get older. But uh, d- does that ever get brought up with Alistair, specifically if he is king and no longer a Grey Warden, I guess? Not that I ever recall. Like, okay. at least, at the very least, not in the games. Like, I know that there are, like, books and shit where Alistair is technically king because Bioware likes to write their own canon because fuck everybody else. <laughs> And I know that Alistair is, like, a main character in some of that shit, so it might be addressed there, but, I mean, Alistair makes appearances in his various possible states of being right, right. in, like, Inquisition, and it's never, like, brought up there, so. Because I know you told me earlier in, in one of these episodes that they will, at some point, address the idea of how the Dark Spawn taint affects great mm-hmm. wardens and whether it actually does or not um right and i think that's that's going to happen in the dlc of dragon age 2 if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but that's i kept thinking about that here because i was like oh hey yeah he's king now wait does he he's still got darkspawn blood in his veins right like that's mm-hmm. also like he just kind of gets to i guess you, if you are king you know you just get to go be king there's not really an issue with leaving the great wardens even though they're super big about that whole, like, you are in this until you die. I guess Alistair gets a loophole, but never really... And how often, do, how often does royalty become a Grey Warden? <laughs> I guess you're right. There's not a lot of, uh, um, oh, the, the word there for... Protocol? No, not protocol. There's, like, a, um, a word for in law if you have something established and you can, like, refer back to, like, a case... I mean, protocol is pretty close to it, but that's going to bug me now. Listeners at home, if you know what word I'm referring to, please send it to at CMUSI. Just tweet the word to me. <laughs> um, no explanation. Just just the word. I, I, I don't care what word it is. Send me random words. I like learning new words. Hopefully it's one of them is the right one, but some sort of like pre-standing legal... Uh, oh, God. I can't even think of synonyms. This is bad. Okay, we need to get moving. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways apparently there's a templar hanging out with uh alistair who then is like hey this anders person is a murderer and super bad we need to uh take him back because that's bad this this dude's bad and so here's like the thing that i had to go and spoil myself a little bit on because i was like wait what how do you like have this choice here i thought anders was a character mm-hmm. in this and he becomes a character in dragon age 2 um 
so you do have the choice of handing him over and basically either like just straight up giving him to the Templar or giving him to the Templar, but being like, hey, you know, he helped us out here. He was some help, like show some leniency. Uh, or you can say I'm conscripting Alice or Anders right now. Anders is getting con- conscripted into the Grey Wardens. Uh, and I was having trouble remembering specifically whether Anders is canonically a Grey Warden in, in Dragon Age 2. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he is he is okay yep um and i was so i was like oh that's weird that's a weird difference but then i looked up what happens if you like don't make that choice and then like all the ways that that branches and then just kind of gets changed again for mm-hmm. dragon age 2 so it can all kind of converge to the same point and carry forward imagine to the that same point in dragon age 2 and i was just like oh god <laughs> imagine dragon age finding ways Dragon Age finds a way. I think no matter what it wants to do, I think the it thing, will find a way. I think the thing that I need to that that all of us really need to come to terms with is that Dragon Age in general just kind of has like one thing that is canon and carries forward, and that's what the the canon choices and that's what happens uh, because there are so many other things that could happen otherwise. And, and I will admit, like, the things the things I get frustrated with carrying forward or not are actually pretty, like, they're not majorly impactful in the long run. It's like, you know, it would be cool if, you know, if you have to kill Liliana in the first game, she just never shows up again. And then that suddenly changes the way that Inquisition plays because Liliana is this super important character in that, re- in that respect. Like, they, they play a major role in that game. Um... But at the same time, the things that do count and carry forward still have a way of doing so. Specifically, like, the choice made at the end of Dragon Age Origins with regards to Morrigan's Ritual and uh, and Flemeth and things like that uh, still have a way of carrying forward that's really impressive and I think, like, speaks to... I think they just kind of determined at some point that there's, like, an A and B tier of choices that you make in the game and some are like ones that need to carry across all the time and those get marked out in the keep and those get noted and those are the things that will be static and will not be retconned or changed over in any way but then for like the b tier they're just like oh yeah we wrote like three lines of writing that explain why this character is suddenly alive or why this character is on the run from a faction that they were friendly with up until this point or whatever um and i'm not saying that's perfect <laughs> i will not i will not say it's perfect ken i won't give you that aneurysm here on, on the podcast <laughs> but um i i do think that I, i've said it before that like the level like the ambitious level of carry forward that is happening here in dragon age does does merit like some they they do need to at some point like constrict some things especially given that i think i i would assume i would hope from this point forward with the series that they would be making a greater effort to make sure that the choices you make say really big ones that happened in inquisition would have some level of carry forward to the next game they wouldn't suddenly be like oh hey this this character's alive after all um i think you have too much faith in bioware if you think that i do i do i want to believe i just think it's i think it's shitty writing and i think it's 
like player hostile writing. I don't know. But we can get into it more when we get to like the actual ramifications of shit. But I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about that in Dragon Age Inquisition. Like there there oh, is yeah. there are a few specific episodes in Dragon Age Inquisition that I already know are going to be extremely spicy. Uh And <sighs> just thinking about that. I love that mission, but man, I know it's going to drive you crazy. <laughs> um we're talking about the one in the fade? Yes. The one mm. where you have to make a choice. And depending on the choices you've made up to that point, it could be an extremely significant choice. Depending mm. on the, I think... the life or death of a, of certain characters. Because mm. I really like that. I think that's freaking cool. That's like doing Vermeer in Mass Effect 3. Like, that's that level of... That's like Rannox shit right there. So... Mm. And I know I'm like you've got like a vein throbbing on your forehead right now. <laughs> Probably not throbbing as much as you think it is. There are okay. there are more egregious. I'm and intri- I, I don't even know, I don't even know that that one. Well, you know what? That's two games from now. We'll get to it later. That is that is. I know. I'm sorry, listeners at home, that we do this. We are like very. This is kind of the thing with Dragon Age. Is it feels like more than Mass Effect. It was easier to take Mass Effect at face value with each episode because. It was we were given this mission and it was always like this is the thing we're doing right now and it would have some ramifications down the line in terms of things that would happen later like you know Novaria and things like that but overall like the missions felt much more contained and focused wherein in Dragon Age they feel more like they're just kind of things that are happening and they have some level of continuity but it feels like the edges on either side are kind of bleeding over into the game more than Mass Effect did, if that makes sense. It's not as, like, it's not as discreet. If you've ever had a Tootsie Roll, okay, you think about a normal Tootsie Roll, it's like one barrel, okay? But then you have some of those Tootsie Rolls that have, like, they're, like, the thicker ones that have, like, the segmented parts. You know, the good Tootsie Rolls, when you get them on Halloween, those are the good ones to get because they're, like, bigger than the normal Tootsie Roll. I always, like, score with those. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but Dragon Age is, like, the barrel Tootsie Roll, the, the Tootsie Roll classic, if you will. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. Anyway. It's, it's like, congruous in a way that bleeds over in a way that Mass Effect felt much more discreet and it was easier to talk about it in terms of itself rather than in terms of the series as a whole which is what I feel like we keep coming back to with Dragon Age um, anyways uh, Alistair just kind of comes in says hey 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 and leaves and then obviously we're going to conscript Anders so it kind of feels like he's just there for that conversation just to be like when the Templar lady goes, you can't do that, and Alistair's there to go, no, he can. <laughs> He's allowed to do that. Uh, and then he leaves. He gives us permission to do a thing, and that's it. Um, and then we, we get formally introduced to Varel, who is kind of the caretaker of Vigil's Keep, and then we get into what kind of the final beat is for this section of Awakening, this intro section, which is, right, we need more Grey Wardens now, because right now we're down to one. So, uh, I mean, I think, is Varel, Varel's kind of a Grey Warden? I mean, he knows the rituals and stuff like that, so I'm assuming he is... He must be a a Warden, or maybe. He's Grey Warden adjacent, maybe? Like, he's a Grey Warden fanboy? (laughs) He's he's the Korra of Dragon Age, if you will. (laughs) Um, but cooler. I like Varel so far. Um, 
so at this point we can have up to three people who will take part in this initial joining and that is alistair or alice anders just, i'm i feel like they're I basically the same mix that up once this episode too so mm. uh, listeners at home <laughs> uh anders ogren and mari uh so ogren goes first and he just i mean i feel like i saw this one coming because i was like I was thinking in my head as this was happening, how would I write Ogren finally joining the Grey Wardens, you know, mm. leaving his his home as a dwarf? Uh, it's, you know, he's had this very long backstory, a lot of pain and stuff, and he's just going to chug the Darkspawn blood and the burp, right? Like, they're going to make a joke about how he's, like, able to drink tons of stuff, right? And, of course, that's... That is exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. I don't know. It's that gif of Michael from Arrested Development opening the bag that says dead dove and he looks inside and he's like, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> that was this. Um, and then Anders uh, drinks it down and then passes out, much like our character did in Dragon Age Origins. Now, now we get to, to Mari. Um, Ken, you remember how we talked about in Dragon Age Origins how effective that joining was because mm-hmm. you get to really see not just like that it can kill, but that mm-hmm. also it is like the the people who are taking part have made a choice, and that's why uh, Sir Knight Dumbfuck gets cut. <laughs> Like that's like why they kill him uh, is because mm. they're like, look, you're you're in this. Like, drink the blood or die. Uh, and I was sitting there like, surely they're not going to try and pull the same thing again, only with significantly less theatrics and a hundred percent less surprise. Now that we are fully aware that this is like a fatal thing that can happen. And then Mari just kind of dies. And, mm-hmm. and that's it. And then Varel says something. He's like, well, sorry, Mari. You, your sacrifice was not in vain. And then things just move along. And I was like, yeah. fucking what? <laughs> like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying Mari was this like fully developed character who I was like, hard- that, that's the thing that gets me. Is I'm like, this character just showed up out of the blue for a mission. And then they're just like, oh, we better kill someone off to remind everybody the joining's fatal, right? <laughs> like can oh, yeah i i like one thing that i thought was interesting at least was that it was a little it was kind of subversive in the way that it was cause, like the character you spent the most time with is the one that doesn't make it but also like it felt a little mean-spirited because she is the one that like actually wants this like oh, the... they totally flagged her to be the one that will die during the joining to be yeah. the other two are like doing their comedic shtick and then she just dies right and that was that was the thing is like okay you you have these two characters they're like okay first let's make jokes about her tits for like 10 minutes and then one of them's gonna like burp in the middle of this whole thing and then you know let's just kill her off i don't know like it was a a weird thing to like have this character that they i guess wanted to be a sympathetic face in the like, in a group of people that is not really taking this seriously and is here just, like, along for the ride 
to have this one, like, have the person that, like, I guess gave a shit be the one that died. I don't know. It sucked. It, the, the scene itself did not give her, you know, the care that she needed to, because, like, you know, like you said, the, the stuff in Origins, when we did our join, was, like, it was dramatic, but it yes. at least felt meaningful instead of, like, <sighs> Those characters also had poor, much more interesting out. dynamics because, like, if you remember the joining in Origins, the first character, the one that dies, uh, I'm, I'm sorry I'm forgetting their names, uh, but they died, so whatever. <laughs> it's, um, the, the first character was this, like, cut purse that basically got picked up and was just like, whatever, sure, I'll do it. And he just, he dies. But you know a little bit about his character. You've, like, experienced a few quests at this point with this character. And the same with the night dude you kind of get the sense that oh yeah he's he kind of doesn't seem like he knows what he bought into and he's totally in it for the glory so he's totally getting set up and then like his comeuppance not that he dies during the joining even but he like cowards out of the joining and ends up getting stabbed by duncan like that's all a great reveal in my opinion like that's almost kind of this subversive way of being like it's not about chivalry it's about sacrifice and this dude was not Mm. willing to make sacrifice he just wanted glory and the dude who really just wanted a free out got his free out just maybe not in the way he would have liked and you this person who was just kind of looking for a way to do more in the world and and also see more in the world gets it like all of them felt at least somewhat thematically consistent in a mm-hmm. way that I could at least appreciate, even if I'm really like straining hard to tie threads together and make thematic like through lines here. But that was the thing with Mari. It was like this character, of course, she's like over eager to join and she's all gung ho and the other two aren't serious about it and they totally live and she dies. It almost feels like it's a laugh line. <laughs> like mm. it's it, like, it's a womp womp. Like there should be a sad right. trombone that plays afterwards. And like, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I don't see. I don't understand why. I don't understand what purpose this serves here, and right. I because like right because like at least in in that original like in Origins there was like a sense that you were kind of getting almost like a grand tour of like what probably everyone who has come into the wardens mm-hmm. has ever felt at that point. Where here is just you've got these two people that are like dragging along, and then the one person who like had any desire to be there was the one that gets screwed out of it. I don't know. It's And it also seems like they set this character up to be that character because you can't talk to her much between, like, you can't stop and chat with her on the road or anything like that between combat up to this point. And I think that, that carries across for most of the characters uh, in this section, so it's not, like, a Mari-specific thing, but it did kind of give me an inkling right off the bat that this character might not be as important as I think they might be. And... Mm. I don't know like yeah I just I don't see what purpose this served and the worst part was when I was thinking about it I was like how what would be a better way for them to like show that the joining is still something that is like dangerous like inherently dangerous and and potentially fatal I was like what if they had this system where I know that there are more companions that you recruit in this game and many of them you recruit into the great wardens and have them go through the joining I've learned as much um i was i was reading it and i had this like messed up idea of what if there was just always this chance like this completely dice roll chance that having a character join the wardens meant they could potentially die doing so Mm. 
and so it was like this conscious choice that you had to make of whether you felt and then maybe there's some sort of benefit or boon to doing so uh but that would make it feel more like what this is supposed to to portray thematically than right because as far as i understand and can again correct me if i'm wrong but from what i've read every character that you have joined the gray wardens uh that you recruit in this game survives the joining past mm-hmm. mari right so that almost feels like it does a disservice to what mari was supposed to represent almost like they were just being like hey we should probably show that you can still die doing this because every other character that's going to do this in this section of the game is not going to have that happen to them because we don't want to like kill off somebody who has narrative content um right i I think a lot about that there's there's a game ken there's a video game that i preach i preach the goodness of and i know i've mentioned it on here before because i feel like i bring it up anytime a game remotely reminds me of it it's a game called lost dimension for the playstation 3 and playstation vita and it is a roguelike strategy game mixed with persona where you build up social links, but there's also a betrayer in your team. And every time you go up a floor, you have this like Danganronpa trial where you try to figure out who the betrayer is and you get clues to it based by having different members of your party in missions that you do on each floor. So like if you're in a party with the betrayer, you'll be able to sense that like, oh, there's unrest. The betrayer might be in my squad. So the next mission, I'm going to switch out these two characters and if I still get the signal, like you can kind of mastermind it that way. And all these characters had like full persona social links where you're learning all about their character and their backstory. But then you get to the point where you're like, oh, they were the betrayer and you kill them and you move on to the next floor. And I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. This is so good. <laughs> like, mm. I want a game that does that. And only Lost Dimension has done that for me so far. Like Because obviously other games like Danganronpa do something, but they construct those narratives in a way that... Mm largely you are supposed to experience i mean okay i'm doing a disservice to danganronpa you can totally i've had it happen to me where i get super into a character's backstory and then find out that they were the guilty party and they gotta get axed so that's okay danganronpa also does this but my conclusion here ken is that this game should be more like danganronpa (laughs) can we agree on that much (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i don't know i just my immediate feeling on awakening is that much that i really like the idea of what this is setting up i actually think you know we i've talked some bad stuff about it so far that i don't like uh that specific stuff with mari and just kind of the way that they're reintroducing some of these characters and and just kind of bringing them in and i'm hoping that there's some better payoff and more development that happens later as i understand there are actual companion quests for each of your companions Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that that develops them a little bit more than what we got in origins i have high hopes for that stuff uh but the things i do like are like the general story structure i think is really cool i think actually the absence of a blight and the mystery of what the darkspawn are doing right now actually mm. lends a little bit of a compelling narrative that i didn't feel in origins because all of origins just felt like it was all these different missions that all just needed to build up to the blight somehow whereas here the idea of we don't really know what we're up against and we're just going to have to like inquisition had that way of you go on a mission and, and even mass effect did where you go on a mission and you'd be like oh this seems really on its face just like typical routine mission and all of a sudden you're going to learn a lot more about what's going on and like things are going to go bad and you're going to suddenly uncover a lot of stuff and a lot of story beats all at once and 
this has some of that same flavor to it so i'm really interested in that but i just mm. the mari thing just rubbed me the wrong way other yeah. things did but that specific scene was like the worst way to end my my first episode playthrough was to just end mm. on that and be like okay cool neat i guess right. yeah I think for me, like, to touch on what, like, if, since there's not a blight, there's, it kind of elevates this past a good and evil story, which, I mean, granted, like, Dragon Age is a franchise that is more about greys and such, but, like, when it comes to blight, that is very black and white, like, please stop the apocalyptic thing that is happening, where here, there is, you know, there's a sense of mystery to it, there's a sense that, like, the darkspawn can be more than just this wave of endless Mm -hmm. orc esque things mm-hmm. um not really a fa- like but like we said earlier i'm not a fan of anyone that we have met yet like i don't really give a shit about like i mean i do give a shit about anders eventually but that's after dragon age 2 and like things happen there um granted there are like i will tell you now the characters who i ended up using in this game when i played it the first time we have not met any of them yet so like i will mm-hmm. say that like i am a bigger fan of characters that we will meet um but right now, it's more of the game I don't fucking like. I I can already tell you that I will go out of my way to not have Ogren in my party as often as possible. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, the second I find another warrior in this game, now that we had to lose my only alternative option, right. uh, the second I find a new warrior to put on that front line, I'm doing so. Anders can hang around. I, I want to see more of anders even though i don't like where his character's at right now i do want to see some of that transformation ogren is going to ride the bench the second i find more warriors so that is what yeah. it is i don't know i i took a cursory glance at just the like what the characters are that are going to mm-hmm. join your party like basically mm-hmm. just what their like names and what they kind of look like are mm-hmm. and i'm interested in that much because there seem to be some interesting things going on there that I'm, I'm interested. A, a very in important story. person is coming. A very important person. A very important person is coming. I mean, is, is this the one that you have at the end of your notes? No. Well, that, he, that person too, but do we, do we want to, about... do you want to briefly talk? Cause I have not talked about, I haven't talked to Nathaniel Howe yet. Uh, but... uh, we can, we can hold off until you, you get there next week. So okay. we can actually have a conversation about it instead of me just recapping it. Okay. Well then that's easy enough. Well, that's, Ken, we're we're one episode down in Awakening. We're we're that much closer to Dragon Age Two. Like, don't worry, we're getting there. And I'm actually mm. playing it mm. is actually somehow building my anticipation for Dragon Age Two rather than where I was at with the end of Origins, which was dreading the idea of playing more Dragon Age in general. Mm. <laughs> so, if anything, I'm I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling much also like when we recorded last week. Uh, I was dead tired after Boston, <laughs> so I'm much more vivacious and alive this week. I have more optimistic hopes. Now just wait for like three weeks from now when I'll be coming off of a trip to San Francisco and we'll see how I feel then. <laughs> mm. uh, that's going to be the episode for us. Again, we are Normandy FM. If you want to support us, if you want to head over to the Patreon, we have a Patreon that helps keep the lights on, pay for that SoundCloud around here. That is patreon.com slash Normandy FM. We do have some donors that contribute at a tier to get their shout out every week. So Kevin Kulikowski, Ginny Wu, Chris Johns, and Anthony Mathias, thank you so much. We're so happy to have y'all donating, listening every week. If you, anybody else who donates, we love you all as well. If you want to keep on 
keeping on that's great that gets us closer to jade empire and some more bioware games uh that we could potentially cover after the end of dragon age but we do have some time to get there so if now is not a good time that's fine just over head over to, to twitter.com slash normandy fm show you can follow all of our updates there we post out when all the episodes go live uh this next episode we'll be doing is kind of broad it's just the awakening there are kind of some general quests that we need to do that all tie into the next major story beat so that's going to cover most of it just to kind of run down our schedule for awakening specifically uh that'll be this next week the week after we will be doing the individual companion quests for all the characters that we could recruit uh in this expansion and then the conclusion of awakening will happen on april 1st happy april fool's day uh, and we will have one Caitlin Gullies Rowe back on to hang out and chat with us once again because I have a feeling that they've got some thoughts about certain characters we're going to run into mm. in that mission. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. But Ken, I'm excited. Are you excited? No. We're so close. Why aren't you smiling? Not Ken? close. We're going enough. to be free. <laughs> We're ending on an Undertale reference today. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week on We have watched and waited. 